And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who can answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management, SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. And yes, indeed, we are the Lewis family here to help you tonight, our family to your family. I am Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. I am Linda Lewis. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to help you tonight, so give us a call with any financial question you may have, whether it be about your investments, about your income taxes, about your estate, anything, we're here to help you tonight. Well, it's been a wonderful weekend, hasn't it? My. Even though a little bit of rain came yesterday, but oh. uh, overall, it's it's been a, 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 a wonderful bit of sunshine. It and really was. You know, um, I, I actually visited some other kind of sunshine. Apparently, they have it on the West Coast, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to sunny L.A., that's right, Deborah. Los I think yeah, you have to tell us a little bit about what happened because there has been a giant shift across the nation in the financial planning industry. Yes, of course, many people have been working with financial planners increasing their wealth. Yes, there are financial planners like myself that have been financial that have been uh, practicing, practicing financial planning for 25 and 30 years. But on the other hand, there's something else that's happening in what I call the next generation. So tell us about it, Deborah. You were right in the middle of it. You know, um, you you did frame that quite well because there are, um, you know, a lot of people might know financial planning is a relatively new industry. It came out of a combination of the brokerage and insurance worlds. And when uh, a woman who is um, now quite famous, but uh, Vanita Van Caspel wrote her book, The Money Dynamics for the 1980s, that's the book you read and like many others across the country thought, wow, that would be great is to combine all the issues of someone's financial well-being into one way to help them. And so now I, like others, have been following in the footsteps of those first generation financial planners. And this conference that I went to, it was attended by financial planners who are either like myself, the children of a senior financial planner or a successor to a senior financial planner. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was it was 45 of us, and we were there to basically, I guess, glean from each other the wisdom that we had learned and acquired through our practices of working with senior financial planners over all these decades. 
Don't forget, if you have a question tonight and you're out there listening, call us on the open lines at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, Deborah, let me ask you, how many... uh, you say there were how many there how many men how many women? Uh, Forty five attendees, so it was very small. I was flattered because I was um, one who was just like the others, exclusively invited to come to this conference. And of the forty five, there were uh, seven who were women, and and the rest were men. And, and all of these were coming from mature practices where there were senior planners that had been doing. Like I have for decades. Correct, yes. So the senior planner uh, had a practice to where he had named someone to be his successor. You know, Linda, you and I, of course, have advised clients through the years, don't go and entrust your money and your future with some new young upstart because it's your financial future which is at stake. So you want to go and see someone who is uh, mature, who's been through many, many situations, who has years and decades behind. But on the other hand, there is still the concern if a young client comes to see us and the planner, such as myself, is in their 60s or 70s, then what happens as the young client goes through the next 20 years or so? Now, of course, in our firm, we've already provided that. That's Deborah. But uh, was the same situation amongst the peers? That's right. So there was discussion about how other practices have set up the same framework. So the clients feel comfortable that they're working with a planner who has a, as a junior planner who is going to be there during their lifetime. And, um, and, you know, the nicest part about it was is that similar to our practice, the senior planner had the foresight to see that this is important for their own careers, their own practices, but so much more so for family wealth. As we see in our practice, the first clients maybe came in, in their 30s or 40s are now in their 60s or 70s. And, so, and many of ours are in their 80s and 90s and their adult children have moved into the position of being clients or at the very least being at the meetings with their parents knowing how the financial planning process works. This, so you course, see this, yeah, this generational approach. Right, and this is what we call multi-generational planning, right, Linda? Yes, certainly. And uh, did you have an opportunity to meet with some of the portfolio managers? I really did. That was probably, um, you know, very, very interesting. But, um, yeah, it, 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 you know, as a second-generation planner, it, it, I love being able to tell the people who may not know me or, or our practice yet that this is what we do um, by coming to you on Sunday nights to be able to answer these types of questions with, you know, 30-plus years in Raleigh uh, as financial planning firm. We are here to answer all of your questions tonight, anything that's personal and pertinent to your life. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in Raleigh, in Midtown Raleigh. We've been uh, there for 32 years and excellence in financial planning. If you have questions about your situation and you would like to have a second opinion or have questions about whether or not your investments are uh, adequate, you know, in in a proper asset allocation, or maybe you have questions about your mortgage and planning for retirement. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. That number is 919-872-7000. Call us now, 919-USA-7000.
You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family. If you have a question tonight, you can call the open line, 919-860-9783. That's right. All you got to do is pick up your phone and dial 919-860-9783. Well, what's new in the financial news, Doug? Well, you know, last week was an incredible week. I mean, uh, stocks posted their best weekly performance in months, boosted, of course, by gains in the price of oil. Now, the Dow Jones gained almost 4%, and the S&P rose over 3%, and so it was really uh, a strong week. Of course, we also remember just a few weeks before, we had some pretty uh, significant down weeks. As a matter of fact, uh, right now we're bumping a little bit over 17,000 on the Dow again, but it wasn't too many days back where we were scared we were going to be hitting 16,000. So, It has been a really rocky couple of months in stock market performances, and investors, of course, are cautiously watching for signs that the sell-offs in stocks, particularly in multinational companies and those with commodities exposure, they're hoping it's in the past. Yeah, we had three horrible months, and and this is what we're seeing. This uptick is what we would call relief rally. You know, in late August and September, many investors were distracted by these market swings, and there's been a bit of a change in sentiment recently. The way, the swing in investor attitude has been pretty dramatic since just about a month ago. Yeah, the mood is much more positive now, betting on further gains for European stocks based on positive growth expectations for the region. Even the Asians uh, joined in the rally on Friday as the week came to a close. But I will personally tell you, we're not finished with volatility. You know, these swings are going to continue. They're going to continue all the way over the next 12 to 18 months until the election. I'm sure of that. That's right. You know, and you need to have an advisor because an advisor will make it easier and less stressful. The investor who's alone reacts and then overreacts and usually gets it wrong. So the active management style that we use has helped our clients during these similar times. I mean, this is not our first um, rodeo or (laughs) (laughs) exposure to um, volatility. And people forget, you know, this is another presidential election. For us, we know, oh, this is expected behavior. It's just a different kind of international struggle or uh, political environment. That's it. So definitely call us uh, during the week, 919-872-7000. Well, you know, I think there's something else that I picked up in one article I read this week that was very interesting. It referenced a study, a study that more and more people are actually thinking about their long-term finances than they were a few years ago. And these are people who don't have financial advisors. And that was very encouraging to know that at least uh, people are thinking about things they never thought about. We started this show how many years ago, Linda? It's been, uh, let's see, 25 years. 25 (laughs) years ago when Linda and I opened up this show. 25 years of fun. (laughs) Well, we had one goal, didn't we? Our goal was to educate the public to where they would start thinking about their future. And so now this uh, study that I saw actually says more and more people are thinking about it than they were even a few years ago. But that's only the good news. The bad news was that when they think about the future, 71% of those people are thinking about one year ahead one year out and that is not long-term planning at all you know it's it's actually never been more important to plan 
for the long term, and procrastination is going to be costly, as always, for investors. That's right. Governments are being forced to cut age-related benefits all the time, meaning that in the future, most people will not be able to rely on governmental support to the same extent that they have done in the past. So we have to be more financially self-reliant in retirement. If you're serious about reaching your big finance-enhancing financial objectives, you must think and plan with a perspective that's longer than 12 months. That's just short-term in our world. You know, I agree with you, Debs, um, and Doug. Um, People uh, that are thinking about just one year, it's not enough. You have to think about your future because time flies. And working with an advisor uh, will give you the comfort that they're, you know, holding your hand through different stages of your life, and especially if you have a crisis. You know, last week we lost a client. Right. Um, you know, a very, very dear couple, and um, it's, you know, then you, you're there to comfort the family and spend time uh, looking at what is and how how to address these issues, right? You, you bring up a really good point. I mean, when we make the promise that we'll be with you and your family till the end, you know, over this couple's life, we saw the first spouse pass away, and this is the second spouse, but we'd already been working with the adult child. So knowing that, you know, parents feel much more comforted knowing that even, even th- this passes on, this wealth of information, as so too will be the family wealth. Well, Chris, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Yeah, I have a question. I'm in the process of buying a house, and I'm trying to decide what type of um, what type of term to go with. Uh-huh. And people have told me in the past that if you go with a 30-year loan, and if you make an extra payment toward the principal each year, that you would in turn almost pay it off in the same amount of time that you would on a 15-year loan. Uh-huh. Is any of this true or... Well, it may be true and it may be irre- it may be not true, but in either case, it's irrelevant. It's not part of the equation that you're concerned. If you end up 15 years from now with a house with no mortgage and the inability to buy any food to live in the house, would you be happy just having a house paid off and no groceries? No, no of course not. Okay. So the goal isn't to see how fast you can have a house with no mortgage on it. The goal is to see how soon you can achieve what's called financial independence. How old are you, Chris? 33. 33 years old. Generally, a 30-year on uh, will give you a greater tax savings than a 15-year mortgage. Okay. Because the percentage of your, paycha- of your payment to the bank is going to be bigger on the 30-year mortgage than on the 15-year mortgage. Okay. And that means that more of your payment will be refunded to you in the way of a deduction on Schedule A on your tax return, which basically means that you have more money to invest towards financial independence. Now, if a person doesn't choose to start investing, then they're out of this equation totally because it only works if you're going to be accumulating what you save. If you go ahead and take a 30-year loan then you are stretching your payments 15 years longer, yes, but your goal should be to accumulate the difference that you're not paying in your your mortgage payments. That money should be directed into an accumulation vehicle like a mutual fund. 
so that at the end of 15 years, and when we run these numbers in my office, we very often see because of the power of compound rate of return, at the end of 15 years of investments, you may be only halfway through your mortgage or maybe even less. But for example, how much is the mortgage you're going to take out? The loan is 113. All right. So your goal should be at the end of 15 years to be able to have maybe 200 or 300,000 accumulated, have your house still halfway through your mortgage, then you can write a check for the remainder on the mortgage. Let's say you have still 60,000 left to pay on your mortgage. If you've got $250,000 accumulated, you write a check for $60,000, you pay off the mortgage, and maybe you've got 170 or 180 or 190 left in cash, plus you still have the home paid off. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. That's the power of the compound rate of return because the 15-year mortgage will only go down at a simple rate of return. Uh, Also, you will get a better tax relief along the way. So at your age, you want a 30-year amortization rather than a 15-year. I certainly appreciate it. Jot down my office number. It's 872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. And some people remember that as just USA 7000. Well, Doug, there's a lot of questions going on in the world of investment planning, and some of this these questions are in regard to mutual funds. I don't know if everybody, but pretty much everybody that I know, has been worrying lately about whether mutual funds are equipped to withstand the next stock market crash or bond collapse or anything they can worry about. Yeah, Deborah, you're you're right on on you're spot on actually because late last month. The Securities and Exchange Commission proposed a rule that would overhaul how mutual funds manage what they call liquidity risk or the potential that investors won't be able to cash out promptly at the prices they've been led to believe their mutual fund is worth. So the good news about this rule is that uh, it's likely going to go into effect next year. It's that it should make funds a little safer, a little more transparent, a little more equitable. That's the good news. Yeah. Now, the bad news is that the new regulations might well make fund managers even more um, uh, chicken hearted or scared uh, than they already are. Maybe more passive is a a better way to say that. I don't mind chicken hearted because (laughs) under the proposal... Mutual funds would have to now estimate the number of days needed to sell each of their holdings at a price that doesn't materially affect the value of that asset immediately prior to the sale. Well, you know, think about that. If it's a U.S. Treasury in the mutual fund, well, no problem. You know you can get it sold for that price one, you know, that same day, one business day. But at the other end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. at the longest and least liquid end, you know, you might have some junk bonds. You might have some small stocks in emerging markets. It could be more than 30 calendar days to find a buyer to get rid of that. Yeah, the rule preserves an old SEC guideline that no fund should put more than 15% of its assets in securities that can't be sold within seven calendar days. Now, that's good, but 
what would be even better about all this is that fund investors will be able to compare across fund to fund. And this is what I really appreciated, that this proposal, the percentage of assets that are in less liquid holdings would now be reported. They will also see that one fund categorizes a particular investment as more liquid than another does. What, what, what bothers me <clears throat> is that if a fund is sold to you as what they call a liquid alternative, and we see this label now quite a bit, you, the investor, should ask yourself why the marketing department insists on emphasizing that word liquid. Yes, you should. Yeah, because chances are the broker trying to sell you the fund is trying to make underlying assets sound more readily marketable than they might be, especially in a crisis. Now, I have nothing against the world of alternatives. As a matter of fact, some alternatives are outstanding, right. but they should be accepted as illiquid investments. Think about that real estate. True. Yeah, think about real estate investment trusts. REITs are outstanding investments sometimes, mm-hmm. but if they're sold as a liquid alternative, that's not that's that that is that's sort of dangerous putting a label on it. I personally think that the alternatives whether they be business development companies like BDCs or REITs or, or whatever they are, if they are alternatives, they should be sold as illiquid investments. I think that's what's so impressive about this news that you know came out um, within the last week or so is that you know, yeah, you need to know as much as you can know as an investor, and an advisor is going to know this information. Your financial planner is going to be reading and knowing what the differences are. So call us. Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000, because this is what we do. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you have a question tonight, we have open lines reserved for you. The number to dial is 919-860-9783. That's right. Pick up your phone and dial 919-860-9783. Well, Debs and, and Doug, I you know I was just thinking as as we were just uh, speaking about uh, the asset allocation and whether a a an investment is liquid or illiquid, and uh, it, the volatility will be there. I agree that up until the election, a lot of people are going to be unsettled about what's happening and what's happening uh, in the political situation. There are tragedies happening in the world, but if you if you have a comfortable understanding about what you are investing in, you're not going to be taken in by the, quote, sales pitch that this is what you need to provide income for you, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? That is. That you're getting a certain amount of education and you have a comfort about what you're doing to preserve your assets in good times and in bad. Yeah, you really do. You really do. All right. Well, what's new in the world of estate planning, Doug? You know, I am. Um, I've been considering the world of trusts in second generation, and the matter of generational trust is very important because mm-hmm. different clients have special purposes for their children, troubled children. A lot of times we have clients that have been with us for 10 or 20 years, or they come to us and they're in their 60s or 70s. And 
Uh, yes, they've accumulated three, four, five million dollars. Yes, they have, but they're concerned that they have a child who That's is right. troubled. And so uh, I like the idea of working with special purpose trusts for adult children who are troubled. Now, special purpose trust can be used to provide children a semblance of the life they might have enjoyed without any addiction that they might have or mental illness they might have. But these trusts are very complicated, and uh, I think they should have a, a place and they should be available to understand that they're a possible solution. Yeah, well, I mean, we see this, and then I was, you know, reading in this article particular that recently, where they gave an example of where there was a, a young girl, and her parents were, and I shouldn't say she had she had developed the illness in her in her youth, and now she was a, a middle aged woman or facing middle aged life, and the parents are aging also, and so they were struggling with the financial aspects of her illness, but their their concerns went beyond just what insurance would cover, and what it wouldn't cover. They wanted to know, well, what about food and apartment and the cat and things that gave her joy when she wasn't troubled? And they also needed, you know, to find someone to replace them when they were gone. So knowing that that would be tough, uh, they also, you know, they, they had to deal with that and a lot of other issues that normally when you're talking about inheritance and trusts, you may not have to consider. Yes. Well, there are many painful emotional issues surrounding crises like mental illness and addiction that affect children, adult children. But there are concrete financial steps that parents can take that won't worsen their child's condition, that won't enable their child's addiction, or in the case of mental illness, run afoul of limitations on the number of assets that a person can have and then still qualify for government benefits. I can think of so many cases through the years where clients of ours uh, have had a troubled child. Their mm-hmm. child is in their 40s or child in their 50s. Maybe it was drug addiction. Maybe it was alcohol addiction. Uh, maybe it was uh, some emo- some breakdown. But they're really scared. What do I do? I can't just go ahead and leave a huge uh, $3 million, $4 million estate to this 45-year-old child of mine. Uh, And so the starting point is a special purpose trust, which can provide care for the suffering child and at the same time give peace of mind for the parent. But when you hear that term special purpose trust, a lot of clients think, oh, that's a special needs trust. No, 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 no. These trusts are very different from special needs trusts, which are often used to pay for the extra things needed by receiving government benefits. The government does have strict restrictions on a person's assets, but special purpose trust can be used to provide children a semblance of life that they might have enjoyed if they didn't have this mental illness or this addiction. You might be working with a situation where with an addictive individual, you could have some good years and some bad years. And I think that's what we see in our practice in the in the couple of examples that you're referencing, Doug. You want to make that latitude to make changes with the distributions. You know, people can also use these trusts to shield siblings from feeling bound to care for a troubled sister or brother. And I think that's what really relieves the parent is they know that they can leave a trust, which is a way for this child to receive income. Right. After their death right not be a burden on a sibling or another relative right and that they have someone who has latitude and the ability to distribute whatever the child needs and sort of be a, a social guardian 
That's right. That's right. Sometimes I, I do. like that. I yeah. like that term because it, it, you know, this is the real world We're we're dealing with, you know, parents who have spent their lifetime working diligently, working hard. And then, at, you know, at the latter stages of life, when you're enjoying retirement, you still have this special need with one of your adult children. And because you love them and you'll always love them and care for them. But you want to preserve whatever assets there are while you're living so that you can still take care of those needs when you die. That's right. That's right. Special purpose trusts are more complicated to establish. So you need to know something about them. Uh, they give the trustee the re- and the restrictions uh, they give the trustee latitude and whatever restrictions you would want to place on distributions. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple of ones that I've done for clients in the past. I, I Sometimes I call them spendthrift trust, where they, maybe there's $2 million sitting in a trust, and the trustee is given latitude. Mm-hmm. The trustee might be uh, an uncle or a sibling. It could be a brother or a sister, but the latitude is to increase the amount that's coming out monthly or to decrease it or to put incentives there. If the child was uh, an alcoholic, if the child went through a, a, a AAA program, a, a, a AAA program, a, um, al- yeah. a AA program, Alcoholics Anonymous program, if they've been sober for X that's number right. of months Whatever. and so forth, to increase where, where the latitude is given that's to right. increase, but never to go in and dump the whole principal. That's right. And that's, right. and, and that's where the special purpose trust can have so much uh, power there. And the hardest part, of course, I've found is setting up in setting up these trusts is getting the parents to accept the fact that they are necessary. Right. Doing this means that parents have to acknowledge that their children are never really going to fully recover. Yeah, it requires the parents and often the grandparents to recognize that there's an issue. But the recognition of the issue is a lot tougher with this uh, group. But once it's, you know, gotten over, this really allows, um, you know, them to move on. Because when people are usually dealing with this, it's with a developmentally de- developmentally disabled person like autism or, or any of the examples that we all know. In, the, in that case, you see it at birth and you just plan accordingly. This is different. Usually there's you know, a stigma that's wrapped around mental illness like uh, schizophrenia or a stigma wrapped around drug addiction. So they need to ensure that there is flexibility in any plan and you don't necessarily know what you'll need in the future based on today. But you do need to have distribution advisors for their trusts. And a distribution advisor like a social worker with specialized training can assess the child's general well-being. And the key to making all this work is proximity to the person. That's tough for a corporate trustee. Yeah, I don't want a corporate trustee in a trust like this. So even if you're close, you don't have enough time to spend with that person to make the perfect judgment. Yeah, you should write very specific criteria for distributions into the trust documents, like staying on medication or being sober for a certain amount of time. And if those markers are met... Then the child might even be able to become co-trustee of the trust. Anyway, I like to encourage people to write a non-binding letter of intent with the purposes of telling future administrators of the trust about the child's history, setting general guidelines, and knowing that you've done the best that you can, uh, I think gives a lot of peace of mind 
to the parents. I really do. I like the special purpose trust, and I think it's a tool that we will continue to use. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family. That's Doug Lewis, Linda Lewis, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. We're with Lewis Financial Management, LLC, in Midtown Raleigh. 32 years of financial planning excellence. If you've got a question about your situation, call us on the open line at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. And if you would like a personal consultation about your situation, call us during the week. Call us right now with your Questions at 919-872-7000. We'll be happy to schedule an appointment with you. Welcome back. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, answering all of your money matters. Who do you want to talk to, Lynn? Scott. Yes. How are you? I'm fine. How are y'all? Welcome Hi, Scott. to the show. Welcome to the show. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Uh, I have a question about the percentage to contribute to my employer's 401k plan. All right. Uh, how old are you, Scott? 32. 32 years old, married or single? Married with two children. Married with two. Okay, what's your income? Uh, 60. 60,000. How about your wife's income? Um, stay at home, mom. All right, so 60,000 is the family income. And uh, what kind of 401k plan do you have? What, do you, what are your options? Um, there is uh, a growth fund, an international fund, a bond fund, and a GIC. All right, let's look at the rest of your picture first, Scott. What do you have in your personal investment portfolio aside from this? Um, two IRAs with about 30000 in it. All right. Um, mutual funds with about 8000 All right. Uh, maybe $1,000 or so in cash. I've got a uh, rental property that that's about $100 a month. What's the value of the rental property? Uh, 75000 the mortgage on it? Uh, 50. So you get 25000 equity there? Yes. I think I'd get rid of that one, by the way. It looks like it's hurting you. I don't like the way things are stacking up because you haven't accumulated much, and, and I, at least I see 25000 of equity there. I think I'd try and unload that one. Okay. Uh, what else you got? Uh, Is that about it? Uh, other than equity in our home and... Don't count that one. Equity in vehicles. Don't count that one. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. Last question is is expenses. You're bringing home, you're making sixty thousand. What are your living expenses running? Oh, uh, probably probably three thousand a month. All right. Well, here's what it tells me: if you're ma- if you're spending three thousand a month, that's thirty six thousand a year. Out of sixty, if I uh, somewhere the rest of it is not all going to taxes, no. which means that somewhere there's a hole in the bucket. Because that's twenty four thousand left over, and I don't think you're paying twenty four thousand in taxes. Well, we do two hundred a month into the mutual funds that I mentioned earlier. All right. Um, two different funds. Okay. What I think I what I think you should do before you solve the four hundred one k question, I think you need to meet with a certified financial planner and focus on a living expense analysis to determine your net margin. That number at the office, by the way, is nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. Once you do that, or in the process, you want to have the planner help you break out your, your expenses into three categories. What we call your uh, recurring monthly expenses, these are your RMEs. They recur every month, uh, and it doesn't matter whether they're discretionary or not, but you just do them every month. You know what I mean? You eat out and so forth and so on, the things that happen every month. 
Those are your RMEs. Then you want to have your non-monthly fixed expenses, the things that don't recur every month, but you don't have any choice on them, like insurance payments and things like that. They either happen quarterly, semi-annual, or annual. Once you have those two numbers together, we want to add them on a yearly basis, divide by 12 to come back monthly, and that will give you the amount that's available to invest. With that number, I'd like you to split it about 50-50, 401k and personal. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, that's the best I can do on the air, but I think that I'd want to see an equal amount going into the 401k that's going into your personal investment portfolio. Okay. And the goal was to have retirement funds equal the amount of non-retirement funds. Is that yes, right? yes, because especially at age 32, you have a possibility of, golly, 30 years before you may be able to touch this money, and we don't know what's coming in your future. So I do like the tax benefits. I'm sure, by the way, you're putting the money into the growth or the international, right? Yes, that's yeah. the, probably the growth. Good. Okay. Don't touch the bond or the gig at your age. Right. I hope that helps, and if you need any more information or any more help, jot down my office number. It's 872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. And some people remember that as just USA 7000. Yeah, thanks for calling and thanks for listening to the show, Scott. Bye-bye. Take care. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you have a question tonight, we have some open lines for you. Dial 919-860-9783. Again, all you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 919-860-9783. You know, Doug, I I liked one word that that you uh, that you used while you were speaking with Scott, and that word was focus. Isn't that an important word, Deborah? It really is. I mean, I think that's the difference between people who make it and, and don't make it, or make it as much as they need to um, make it a focus. You know, it it is. It, you know, whether 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 or not you have the focus will be on whether or not you accomplish your goals. And and it's not that people haven't accumulated. Right. There there are many people, Good many point. of our listeners that are out there that that do need to take a look at where what am I spending? Where's it all going? Because I have a comfortable income. Right. But the problem is they have all this stuff and they don't focus on the stuff. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. So when many times frequently when they come into when they finally make the big leap, so to speak, and they come in and meet with us that's right and meet with a certified financial planner and go over all of this then we help our listeners to go, to do their homework to look at their stuff and determine oh yes and to focus to focus exactly yeah and it makes a difference doesn't it doug that's been our experience <laughs> without a focus you will never be able to see in the dark and that's just uh, the story of a flashlight <laughs> that's right okay. Words of wisdom. <laughs> I do want to remind our listeners that we have a website and we have been getting more and more positive comments on our revised website it's called dougandlinda.com d-o-u-g-a-n-d-l-i-n-d.com dougandlinda.com go there and you can see how we have revamped the website we have videos there showing myself and linda and deborah being interviewed and practicing in our office Uh, i think you'll like it very much even if you've been there in the past you probably are going to enjoy how it is 
uh, now. Also, the other thing I wanted to remind our listeners, too, is that if you are coming in for a first week, a first appointment this week, uh, we will be giving away one of three books, either Wealthy Barber, Simple Wealth, in- Inevitable Wealth, or Middle Class Millionaire. And we did have the enjoyment last week of giving away some books to new uh, uh, appointments. So uh, make your appointment, come in and see us, get your book, and we're here to help you solve your problems. That's right. You know, one of the new problems that's coming to light, Doug and Linda, uh, was highlighted in an article in one of the Financial Times, and it and it really does um, highlight what we have been seeing in our office, which is, you know, this empty nest syndrome pr- producing an empty pocket syndrome. Yeah, that's really something if you think about it. And I understand that when children leave the nest, a lot of parents are going to celebrate, celebrate no more paying for braces, no more piano lessons, no more college tuition. And how do they celebrate? They splurge on themselves. But a new study does indicate that this spending spree can last for years, keeping many empty nesters from actually a retirement saving. And that's sort of scary because households are not increasing their savings very much after the kids are gone. Yeah, on average, over eight years following the departure of the last child, empty nesters increased their savings in tax-deferred 401k retirement accounts by just under one percentage point of income. Isn't that terrible? That really is. Um, and, but you know what? It's what we see a lot of, and it's one of the quick fixes that we can take care of is just to refocus people. That's right. Because um, That is true. Because mm-hmm. without this, you're at risk of being unable to maintain your standard of living after you stop working, and nobody wants that. That's right. That's right. For, for empty nesters, the urge to splurge is understandable. Yes, it is. Families with incomes of 106000 or more spend an average of twenty to 25000 a year for each child under the age of 18. So with children off on their own, money now may be going out for travel, for buying a new car, fixing up the house for those projects you never did. And there's often a long list of these pent-up projects, updating the kitchen, the bathroom, landscaping, and so forth. And, you know, it's sort of scary because the average cost of the empty nester's client's home improvements is now up to $35,000, and unfortunately, it might roll from one project to another. Yeah. Some uh, empty nesters continue to spend on their adult children, and that even exacerbates the situation more. So, Doug, Linda, what can you do? Well, it's very important to compile a budget for consumers based on their past spending and their spending patterns. And then we need to alert them when they're in danger of exceeding their specific thresholds. So, Doug, you were talking earlier uh, to the last caller about uh, uh, not required minimum distribution, the RMEs. (laughs) That's right. uh, Knowing what your expenses are. Exactly. You got to know what are your those recurring monthly expenses. You're paying your mortgage. You're paying the utilities. You got to pay for water and sewer. And once you've got that down and got your RMEs, then you start you're making your saving automatic. You schedule transfers from your bank straight to your brokerage firm or to your mutual fund using what we call a pay-yourself-first plan, setting up automated transfers months before you become the empty nester is going to help you uh, transition from the uh, stage of not having the empty nest to having the empty nest, and all of a sudden, you're going to be 
increasing your chance of reaching financial independence. Absolutely. Well, you know, there's been a lot of change in uh, well, what's being proposed in Congress. Right. Doug, can you give us a 10 second on some of these new changes that are being proposed regarding Roth IRAs? Yeah, I think the uh, we, we don't have anything in, in, in concrete just yet, but uh, the big question is what will Congress do? Because Roth IRAs have significant advantages. Some are worrying that Congress is going to erase their benefits. Now, just last year, a GAO study examined what they called supersize IRAs and uh, that is going to uh, be uh, up for grabs, there's no doubt. In this year's budget, actually, President Obama has proposed requiring Roth IRAs to have to take their distributions when they reach 70 and a half. And as you know, regular IRA traditional owners, IRAs. traditional IRA owners, when they reach 70 and a half, they have to take a required distribution or they will pay a 50% penalty. But Roth IRA owners do not have to take it. And yet President Obama's proposed budget is that they have to take it. So that's up for grabs. Another proposal is going to require the heirs of all types of IRAs to withdraw funds after five years. And, of course, that's a big problem because we very often are recommending when clients ask us, they say, well, what will happen if I die uh, and my wife has predeceased me? Mm-hmm. What happens to my IRA? And we give them the news that that one million dollar IRA that you have accumulated through the years is going to be hit with about 300,000 or more in income taxes called IRD taxes. And so we suggest well, one way to avoid it is doing what's called a stretch IRA. Right, letting your child, letting that 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 um, beneficiary know that they would have that option to choose a benef- uh, a stretch IRA. Exactly, and that has been a suggestion, a solution that we have brought to a lot of our clients. Well, guess what? Uh, there is a proposal in Congress to do away with that. They might do, evaporate. They might evaporate. <laughs> that and, option. And so all these are what's happening right now. Nothing is concrete yet, but we're watching them. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug Lewis, Linda Lewis, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is 919-872-7000. We'd be happy to schedule an appointment with you. And when you do come for your appointment, you will get one of three books, The Middle Class Millionaire, Wealthy Barber, or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. And call us, visit our website at DougAndLinda.com. That number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000, 919-USA-7000. With about 10 minutes left in the show, we've got room for another call or two. You can dial 919-860-9783 to talk to the Lewis family. Again, that number is 919-860-9783. Well, what else is new in the world of cash flow planning, y'all? <laughs> well, well, you know where we are in <laughs> North Carolina. Um, you know, there are some tips that are often given out there, and, and U.S. News um, had a good list. But what intrigued me about this was some of the, the list was just merely about, and I pulled it out, perks on improving your finances because good habits enhance your life long before you decide to retire. And many have been working hard to speed up their month, their journey towards financial freedom for the better part of their career. So if you're listening, you might want to know. There are uh, ways 
if you're on your way to early retirement, that alone feels good. But pursuing financial independence is worth all the effort. And there are many side benefits along the way. So here's some of the perks. You learn how to invest more efficiently. I know this is many of our clients' experience. Once you start to save, compound interest will do much of the work of building wealth on your behalf. Isn't that interesting? That you don't have to wait to get the benefit because there is a benefit along the way. Over time, you can find other ways to help your wealth grow faster. You know, you become an active investor. Uh, interested in beating indexes or markets by choosing mutual fund managers who have track records of beating indexes. So you are increasing your knowledge about investing uh, along the way, and this helps boost your returns along the way. That's right. You feel more relaxed about work. When you've saved enough money to sustain your lifestyle, you have the freedom to quit your job whenever it gets too stressful or irritating unless you work for your parents. (laughs) The freedom to walk away from a job you dislike begins well before you have enough money to permanently retire. And that's great. A lot of our clients say that. You know, when you know that your family won't need to downgrade their lifestyle if you leave a position, then you know you've already saved enough so that even if you didn't have enough to retire, you would have enough to move on And this is the benefit of not living paycheck to paycheck. You won't feel the pressure to accept just any job. You'll be able to choose a job that you really want to work at. Yes, so you've got these perks. These perks like learning how to invest more efficiently. Yes, indeed. And feeling more relaxed about work. Yes, indeed. And then a third perk is that your confidence will grow along with your nest egg. Financial freedom starts to enter your life long before you're fully financially independent. When you're on your way toward building a nest egg, you'll feel less upset about little setbacks because you know you can easily make it up. And this ability to remain positive when encountering the challenges that are going to seep in uh, to your life, it spills over positively to your relationship, strengthening the bonds between you and those that you care about. That's right. Reaching financial freedom can take years of disciplined savings, but you get to reap the rewards long before you officially retire. So, in conclusion, the role of your financial planner is to encourage you in monitoring your progress and reminding you of what your goals are that you established in the beginning after all, right? Perfectly said, Linda. Well, Doug, you and I have been speaking to a lot of clients, and there's a lot of fear out there about what's going to happen in interest rates in the bond world. Maybe a little update? Well, the Federal Reserve did not raise interest rates. That's true this past week. But when rates finally do go up, how worried should you be that a panic by other investors might tank your bond fund? So that's a question that might be popping up into your head. And if it doesn't pop up into your head, I'm saying it should pop up into your head. <laughs> and, if it, right. and, and if it doesn't pop up into your head, come see us at Lewis Financial Management and we'll make sure that it's popping up in your head. Because Doug will set you straight. <laughs> a new research report argues that long-term investors in high-yield funds, these are also called junk bond funds, could take a hit much bigger if too many others are yanking their money out during a market downturn. You know, the research is still showing that, 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 that there are less liquid investments in these junk bonds. That's right. And because they're less liquid, the more careful you should be 
in evaluating it. And that's because the portfolio manager of your fund would first sell the securities that are the most liquid, the easiest and the cheapest to trade, like cash and treasuries and so on. And and then the later things he's selling are going to be the harder ones to get rid of. And that's where the whole story about the junk bonds comes in. And not only junk bonds, what about municipal bonds, emerging markets? All these are going to be more difficult. So when the bailout comes by other investors, you can be hit much harder. And if billions of dollars have gushed in after good performance and billions of dollars more have slushed out when returns were cold, it may be overpopulated in your fund with investors who are going to try to burn you on the way out. That's right. And we we have seen this uh Maybe it's irrational, but it's just something that when you can see that something is going to go fast or furious or something is going to be harder uh, to sell, that you can proactively act now. Everything has its own time. And we at Lewis Financial Management, for our clients over the past few weeks, have been advising clients to get out of all. We've been actually advising clients to get out of all their junk bond funds. Uh, Sometimes junk bond funds are very good, but now... Uh, Since we've been considering this in the last few months, we've been advising all of our clients to get out of all their junk bond funds because high yields are going to face a liquidity problem. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's just being sensitive to what um, each investor, because it's not really all it's it's. It might be all. It might be all at someone else's shop, but really, it's the one-on-one that that we're giving. But then the advice right now, if something is going to cover all of a section or a sector of the fund, then yeah, then that advice can apply to even you if you're listening and you're wondering about your mutual fund portfolio. Give us a call. Let us at least give you a professional opinion on what our evaluation and estimation of your risk is in your portfolio. And that at the very least will get you started. That will help you focus on what you need to do for yourself. And that's mainly what we do at Lewis Financial Management is give a professional opinion so that you can act. It's a personalized focus that is on client by client. It is not a one size fits all. And that's exactly what Linda said earlier. You know, I'm always uh, intrigued with um, some of the folks that are out there that they have a little bit here in a managed account. And then, you know, they haven't focused on what are the fees that are being charged to me for my account to be here, for some of it to be in a bank, for, you know. And so, and then they're all in the wrong investments because... It just doesn't line up with what their goals are in their current situation, whether they're still working or they're in that pre-retirement stage or, you know. Right. You're describing a lot of things they don't know. Exactly. And people's lives can be very, very complicated, especially if you're, you know, I I know in in previous shows, Doug, you've talked about the, the sandwich generation. Yes. So it's important to focus. And call us this week. Call us right now. Well, the sandwich, you know, we we have a couple more seconds before the music uh, overrides us. But the sandwich generation is important, Linda. That's where you are taking care, Mr. Client, of your children and your parents. And that's a whole new breed of investor with a whole set of problems. Therein lies 
the need for much more focus. Well, everyone have a great week. Remember, your money matters before, because your financial future is at stake. And we're the Lewis family here to help your family. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.